Two Wheel Take Sally. This is episode four, uh, week two of round two. Uh, we got some series to review, as always. And, you know, we, we can always start with the, the Leafs and the Habs. Because um, how could we not start there? Uh, what a what a comeback by the Habs. I mean, it, it's amazing that they were able to do what they did down three to one in the series and, and just come back and, and beat the Leafs. Uh, you know, I honestly thought in game five, I mean, we, last week we sound kind of dumb because we said, I don't know how the Leafs can't finish it off tonight, referring to last week's uh, game five matchup. And, you know, they lose that game. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, it's it's not like they're going to, you know, this isn't going to go seven games. Like they finish it off in six, right? And then that didn't happen. And then in game seven, I think at that point, a lot of people were just like, Habs are going to win in seven. You know, there's no way that they force a game seven and lose it. And sure enough, they they win. Um, just a lot of criticism. A lot of criticism to go to the Leafs. Uh, I don't know if you want to add anything else. And um, I I got to go into some performances by the players too, uh, as well. Yeah, no. If you got something that you want to start in on, feel free. But. Um... Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we do this podcast weekly, and uh, after that, after that game five, that recording that night, um, I don't think I think it was three two, and I don't really think there was much talk between you and I. Um, but this past Memorial Day weekend, Nick and I were together uh, for the weekend games, and yeah, I mean that game six started, and I think we were saying it either both of us or. One of us was mentioning that if Montreal can make game six happen, this one's over for the Leafs. And, um, uh, yeah, I just want to – I think the only thing that really needs to be pointed out first before we get into all the pitfalls um, associated to the Toronto organization, I think we really just got to give it up for Carey Price. Um, you know, p- speaking of player performances – I mean, that guy, uh, you could argue, is the sole reason that this Montreal team is now playing Winnipeg in in round two. But I'll let you uh, get into what you want to get into. I'm sure discussing the Leafs is a little bit more um, pressing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, full credit to Montreal. Like I said, it it was an amazing comeback by them. I believe that Toronto is the 27th team in major sports that have a seven-game series in the playoffs to you know, give up a three to one series lead. I just wanted to get in some of the players who uh, like Matthew and Marner's obviously both of them combined only had one goal in this whole seven game series. Uh, for reference, Jake Muzzin, I think in game six had two goals just in game two, uh, game six. So already out there, he was outscoring two of their top players. I have TJ Brody right here in seven games. He had one goal, one assist. Um, I'm also going to look up Joe Thornton and a lot of the uh, depth that they added as well, just to see how they performed. Um, Joe Thornton only had one goal through seven games. Uh, Simmons, he was uh, brought on to the to the Maple Leafs in the offseason for veteran presence and, and uh, grit. And, you know, it just, I, I almost don't want to criticize uh, Kyle Dubas, the GM of the Leafs, because I, I thought he did a pretty good job picking up these players 
and adding depth. I really thought that they did better, but Wayne Simmons just an assist. Um, and then the last yeah. player I was going to look up was oh Nick Felino. I Nick I think Nick Felino only played four games and had one assist as well. But let me just quickly check that. Yep, only one assist in four games. I mean, a lot of the added depth that they got just didn't show up not only on top of their own yeah. best players, but their depth. Yeah, no, like totally like credit, like you said, credit to the GM. I mean, there's a reason why everybody was writing Montreal off from the beginning of this. Toronto was built. Uh, Toronto was was comprised um, specifically this season into a team that looked like they could handle the playoffs. Um, Jake Campbell found his form during the season, and I think that was like the you know the piece de resistance, if you will, during the regular season. That was what everybody was saying. We're not saying, but I think in in agreement, fans were kind of giving Toronto some credit at that point. Now that Jake Campbell's in net day in and day out, and he's consistently giving you really good game results um, and putting you in constant positions to win games during the regular season. You mentioned Wayne Simmons being added, and you know Joe Thornton was also picked up. Those are two guys that have a lot of playoff experience a lot of deep run playoff experience. Um, but I don't believe either of them have titles. So you really would have liked to have seen those two guys. Um, you know, Jake Muzzin's producing. He's another playoff guy. He he has a few, a couple rings, I think, with LA. Um, so yeah, this team on paper and just in general um, is a team that looked really good. Uh, Again, there's a reason why we were saying last week on the podcast that there's no reason Toronto shouldn't be able to close it up in Game 5. They were at home. They had a 3-1 series lead. You know, we don't have to turn the clocks back. Everybody knows the story. But, um, yeah, the team was put together really well. And I think that's what the biggest letdown of all this is, is that if they can't even do it when their team is built in a fashion to um to make to make a run to at least probably get to the third round to the conference finals at the very least um i think that's really what everyone was expecting specifically leafs fans too because they were guaranteed facing two of their regular season opponents in the first two rounds so you know uh the numbers dictate that they should be able to handle both of those series and have a pretty solid walk into the conference finals yeah no and to add to your point with uh jack campbell he um he had a save percentage of 934 and a goals against average of 1.8 to close out his uh seven game series with the habs give, and give, do you have the record give him the record because i think the yeah, record is, is the more impressive stat for him yeah record is three and four he lost four games won only three but even oh, so, I'm I, sorry. I, I thought I thought you were talking about his regular season stats. Oh, That's regular season. Yeah, I'll quickly do that. His um, regular season was like 15, two and two or something like that. Regular season stats were 17, three and two. His okay. save percentage was 921 in a goals against average of 215. So he got even better in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, his record, but his save percentage and his goals against average went up, which or his save percentage went up, goals against average went down. And that, I think, even makes this worse. You know, you got the goaltending that you had been critis- uh, critical of in Freddie Anderson, 
So you get Jack Campbell, and he provided you the goaltending that you needed, but you just couldn't close it out. And then all heads turned to Marner and Matthews. It it was just a. Uh, I think at this point, if anyone's wondering, if you're a Leafs fan, how do we keep doing this? It's simple. It's your top guys aren't showing up. You know. Right, and unfortunately, that's where all your money is too. So you, you don't have a whole lot of options outside of those two guys. No, you don't. I mean, the depth that they added was great, but again, if they're not scoring and your top performers aren't scoring, it's not looking good. I'm pretty sure that Jason Spencer was the uh, best uh, Toronto Maple Leafs forward, followed by, I want to say, Willie Nylander. Those two guys were the only two forwards to show up for the Leafs in this series. And, I mean, you can't get it done with those two guys. No, you certainly can't. And I don't know if it was on this podcast or if it was while we were together this weekend, but I said it to you at some point where I, I didn't even know that Jason Spezza was still in the league. So, yeah, when he's, when he's the guy who's leading your team offensively through a playoff series, um, you got a little bit larger issues looming, you, you could argue. No, absolutely. Their offseason, I think, is going to be a little bit difficult. They're going to have to do some, not soul-searching, but, you know, maybe maybe soul-searching is an answer for Meyer and Matthews. You know, it's, they got to change something. You know, I don't know if it's the routine they do in the playoffs or if it's the mindset they have in the playoffs. Something's got to change because if nothing does, then you're just going to keep losing in the first round. Exactly. And in rather disappointing fashion, it looks like, too. Yeah, and that's, I think, the worst part. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you had anything else to add with the Leafs. I think we... Yeah. No, I, the last thing I just wanted to say was what an absolute goaltender showdown here. Um, feel really bad for the comments coming from Jake Campbell after the post-game interviews in Game 7. I don't it's know Jack. if anyone... Or Jack, sorry. Yeah. Um, Jack Campbell. I don't know if anyone saw them, but um, he really just assumed full responsibility. And that first goal that he let in was a softie, no doubt. But the guy has, I think, I mean, he's the only one besides him and Nylander and possibly even Spezza are the only guys really that are not in the red, right, for this season uh, or for their, the way their postseason turned out, um, especially Jack. Jack Campbell, man. I mean, I don't know how you put any level of blame on that guy. It, it was one shot, and it was in Game Seven. It was after you gave your team two. In fact, you could argue three because I think they were able. weren't they able to force? They were able to make a comeback and force an overtime, and he was able to keep them into an overtime. And all they needed was one goal for him. And Montreal, I think that was Game Five, wasn't it? Um, it was game like five was when one. they blew a, a three nothing lead, and game six was when they blew a two nothing lead. Um, okay, I thought there was a game where. Oh, you, you're saying the Leafs blew the lead, and then it was no the Habs. The, the Habs. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, your goalie's giving you opportunities, not just in these games, but also in these overtimes. It's almost like a second opportunity during your game to give your goalie that last win to put you know to, to put it off of his shoulders and they didn't do that for him in game five they didn't do it for him in game six and he certainly has earned a, a, a soft goal he, he should be able to let one of those in and his team should be able to 
to come back from it, but but they couldn't. They couldn't even take care of the games in game five and six. And so how can you really expect them to take care of a softie that Campbell lets in in game seven? Yeah, it's tough to hear that from them, you know. It it was a very disappointing post game interview, and it kind of just makes you feel like, you know, the players, no matter who they are or what team they play for, it's got to be tough to to lose in game seven or lose a series, do the handshake line, and then be told, hey, you know, media availability, you got to be ready for it and to exactly. answer these questions. You know, it's tough on the Ten players. Minutes, you got to get undressed and get out there. Yeah, and I think it really hit Jack Campbell the hardest, and I I truly felt bad for the guy. I mean, if if you're telling him to make that save there, you're telling that guy to be perfect, and nobody's perfect. Exactly. And nobody can. Exactly. And wow. but and not even just that, but he was basically perfect up until that point too, which that like that was really I think his only true fault in this series. No, absolutely. I mean, his save percentage. I let me quickly check. I'm pretty sure he had a better save percentage than Carey Price throughout that series. I, I know he, he did, had. A, yeah, yeah I know he faced way more shots, and every game was like a one goal game. So, yeah, I, I agree. Last thing I wanted to say about this one was, if you haven't heard, this is the first series that a goaltender who makes more than ten million dollars has won. Uh, was, so, what's that? I, I said I thought the stat was any player who made more than ten million. Uh, I don't know if it was goaltender. I thought it was just a player in general who makes more than 10. It could have been. I'll have to double-check that. But but either way, um, goalies might be getting paid next season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Campbell, yeah. <laughs> Campbell especially if he's on a, if he's a his contract ends. Um, in the meantime, though, it's a good segue into the series we have now, which is the uh, Montreal Canadiens and Winnipeg Jets. And I wanted to say this before we got into the series. Did Toronto and Edmonton losing in the first round not show you how easy the Canadian division was? Like, was that not the deal sealer right there? I I figured. Yeah. But, you know, if those two teams move on and are going to play each other in the second round and, you know, one got swept, the other was upset. I think it kind of showed you and not to take credit away from Winnipeg or Montreal because they, they hung in there and, you know, they, they did, they grinded it out, but it's just like those two teams should have been able to get it done. I Uh, agree. But anyway, going into game one last night of that series, I watched it. um, And Montreal came out hot in the first period uh, as expected. You know, this team's definitely boosted from their game seven win. Uh, and then on the on the other side, Winnipeg having to come back after, a, I think it was a nine-day break. It was as expected as well for them to be flat. I'm not too concerned if I was a Winnipeg Jets fan here, um, simply because you guys had nine days off. You know, uh, Montreal had been playing up until, what was game seven? Was it Tuesday? It you was know, so Sunday? Or Monday? It was Monday. Yeah, okay. So earlier this week, they had been they just only had one, wrapping up their series. One day rest. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yep, so Monday. Um, you know, so Montreal was getting into a rhythm and keeping that rhythm going while Winnipeg was just waiting for the, the whoever they would face to, to play. And I think that that showed in game one. 
But, you know, still credit to Montreal, man. I mean, they hung in there and really peppered Connor Halibuck. And I don't, I know that you probably won't know this, but um, because I got the NHL TV subscription this year, I wanted to watch a lot of markets that I hadn't gotten to watch because um, I'm a Sabres fan. I primarily just watch their games. And one team I picked throughout the season to watch games of was the Winnipeg Jets. They're my favorite Canadian team, but by no means are they my second favorite team. I don't wouldn't say I have a second favorite team, but they're very fun to watch. And I made sure that I got to watch a lot of their games. And I would just say that my report on Connor Halibut is he's a guy who's going to give up a lot of early goals. So he might be a guy who faces four shots, gives up two goals. He might be a guy who faces seven shots, gives up three. But mm-hmm. after that, he shuts it down. And I think after the first period, he only surrendered a single goal because the fifth goal was an empty net. It was an empty netter. Yeah, you're right. So that's my scouting report on counter Hallibuck. And I think that Montreal played that very well in game one and just continued that throughout the game and really peppered counter Hallibuck early. And, you know, it succeeded. Yeah, they did. They, they definitely played their hot streak. They played a cold goalie well. They got shots on him early. They got some pucks in early, and they really threw him off his game. Um, setting the bar high with three three goals, I think, before the first period ended. Um, that's a nice, you know, that's a nice feeling when you're a team that's coming off that uh, that three-game turnaround in a series. Um, you really want to hit the ground running, especially with a team that's been cold like the Jets have been. They've been off for over a week. And uh, I was alluding to this earlier, man, but the way that Montreal's playing, it's it's eerily not eerily similar but it feels reminiscent of the 2012 la kings so that's going to be my hot take for this one is i think i think there's a chance that montreal could run the tables and be that la kings of the uh 2021 season um what was it's very funny you say that because i'll just quickly add when i was watching game one and Montreal got off to a hot start. I was thinking to myself, like, this could be that underdog team that mm-hmm. nobody expected to go and win it all. So I, I, I would agree with that that take. As, as hot as it is, I think, you know, it, it's the proof is in the pudding with the way they're playing right now. And, you know, if they can keep getting goal scoring from Suzuki, from Gallagher, you know, those guys, they could be on a, on a steady path to, to the Stanley Cup. And be the yeah, first if, Canadian team to be there since, off the top of my head, I don't know. I, I don't think a Canadian team has been there since Vancouver in 2011. Yeah, so, I think that's correct. Yeah, so um, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, that, that, I think that's the direction they're heading. And um, we were watching the game. We were watching Game Six of the Montreal-Toronto series together. And as that game was wrapping up, I was saying pretty confidently. Um, that Montreal was going to win that series. Uh, I was saying it from any mathematicians listening. I was saying that with a 99.9% confidence interval. Uh, after that first goal from Montreal in game seven, I said to Nick with a 100% confidence interval that the Canadians would win the series. And now those feelings that I'm having are now starting to look at LA. I think if they take game two, Winnipeg needs to win game two. Because if they don't, and you go back to Montreal, you really risk 
uh, getting uh, swept by this team because you had, you know, you had the week and a half almost off. Uh, Montreal's feeling really, really good. They have a lot of get up right now. They have guys who are at the tail end of their career, Stahl and Price come to mind. I'm sure Eric would love another one. And I know Carey Price knows that this is, this honestly could be one of his last opportunities. This, you know, his, I say the team as a whole reminds me of Vegas or um, LA in 2012. Um, but Price reminds me of Lundquist in 2014 uh, against the Kings. And you remember how hard that, that uh, game six was at the end. It was game so, five. Was it? Yeah. Yep. The uh, okay. Kings won that series four to one. That Dang, was yeah. So so game five. I mean, that's kind of where I see Price right now, and I think Price totally recognizes that because he's playing like he knows, like he knows. You know. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's going to be another goaltender battle with Price versus Halibut, right. and and I I would agree. I mean, it I, it might be too early to say it's a must win game for the Jets, but. You have to understand that the Canadian teams don't have as many fans as the American teams. So winning at home or winning on the road necessarily isn't as uh, impossible of an defeat uh, by the players because the crowd isn't into it. You know, the Winnipeg Whiteout, I mean, you know, if the Winnipeg Whiteout was there with the 17,000 fans they would have had, I don't know if, you know, Montreal still plays that way. Uh, because I think the Jets would have been really boosted here in the fans, but who knows? So I think that you do have a point in the sense that game two is a must win for the Jets, but keeping the fact that most fans aren't really in attendance, they haven't even hit a thousand in some of these arenas. Uh, you know, it's, it might be a bit too early, but it does make it easier for the, the road team to win it. Um, and, you know, it's, I think Connor Hallibuck might have to, to work on his, his early game um, routine because if he doesn't work on, on his early starts and, and starting strong, then I think that, that that's where Montreal is going to start taking this series away. Because like I said, that's his report. If, you know, he's given, if he's facing seven shots, there's a possibility he gives up two or three goals. And if that right. gets into game two, I would agree. I think that Price is just going to lock it down and just keep the door shut for the Winnipeg Jets. And, and the Jets, too, even looked like they were struggling on the power play last night. They had, they had one of the best power plays they were. of the season, and, man, they could hardly get it set up. It's going to be an interesting series, but I think now that the Winnipeg Jets have got game one under their belt, I would expect more of a, a better performance, so to say, in game two. Because, like I said, I kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt in game one. They had nine days rest, and you know, as much as people like to say you want to you want to finish your series early so you have the rest, I think that's kind of an overstated um, point to make because I always thought that the more rest a, a team had going into the next round, the more rusty they would be, and sometimes teams get off, you know, get too much rest and then can't bounce back from it, and next thing you know, they're out, they're bounced early, so. That'll be interesting to watch in this series, but we'll see how it goes. It's it's definitely going to be a very good series. I feel like it goes long, maybe six games, but I'm I'm pretty confident that this is going to be a very good series. It certainly will. It certainly will. And to your point of Hellebuck needing to perform in the beginning, getting that start of the game under his belt, 
yeah, when it's a when it's a goaltender's duel, like I think this series will probably end up being. Um, you need your goalie playing a full sixty minutes plus. So yeah, um, but I agree with that. He's got to get those first those first ten twenty minute goals under control. Um, if he does that, it's going to make it pretty tough for Montreal because as we know or at least the way that Montreal has been playing thus far in the playoffs is they like to get out ahead early and they like to just play insurance after that. They like to <clears throat> not, they're not really like sitting back, I would say, but they're, they're playing a little bit more passive and they're definitely letting um, Winnipeg approach them or they're just their opponent in general. They're letting their opponent approach them and try and, and snuff that out before in the neutral zone and right at the blue line and it creates a lot of passing headaches at the um, blue line that can turn into offsides uh, a lot of chippy stuff on the sides so the puck can get up over the glass or maybe up into the bench uh, it's pretty similar to what nashville was doing to carolina when they were getting leads uh, it just montreal is containing it a lot better than nashville was i would say yeah and it brought up a good point that kind of refreshed my memory. Um, you know, we didn't give any credit to Philippe Deneau, who was primarily responsible for shutting down Matthew and Marner. Matthews and Marner. He was, he's a third line center for the Canadians. And he, uh, he was tasked by uh, Dominic Ducharme to defend Matthews and Marner's. And he did a hell of a job with it, keeping them both with only one goal. And, the playoffs is a matchup game, and it's always fun to see the matchups when you see the team at home and then the team away. So, for example, uh, Dominic Ducharme in this series is going to want to make sure that Philippe Deneau is playing against uh, Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor. Um, and, you know, because they don't have home ice advantage, last night the Jets were able to, to stay away from Philippe Deneau, but they still you know, didn't win that game. So going into Montreal, it'll be interesting to see the matchups they want because both these teams have very good bottom six uh, forwards. Andrew Kopp, Matthew Perot, um, I think Adam Rowley, all those guys, Adam Lowry, all those guys are very good bottom forwards for the Jets too. Mason Appleton, he even got time on the power play, which I thought was not questionable, but I was like, it's how good he's playing, you know? So this is going to be a very interesting matchup series as well to see, you know, what lines those teams face up against and what lines Paul Maurice and Dominic Ducharme want against each other. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. And then one thing I'll also add, too, is I don't know if you saw the hit that Mark Schaefer had on Evans. I was going to bring that up because you yeah. mentioned him. Right. Uh, my opinion. Now, I'm not too much of an invested guy in hits. I think a lot of people throughout the league, they'll see a hit and they'll go, he needs to be suspended or, you know, this, this needs to be addressed by the NHL and they'll have a lot of outrage, but, um, you know, it's, it's the playoffs and they're going to do whatever they can to win. And here in this situation, although the game looked over at that point and, you know, he pots the puck into the net and they're up two goals now, Shifley was trying to at least keep this game a one goal game um, playing the body obviously is, you know, a lot of people say it's, it should be second to playing the puck. You want to get, you want to make sure the puck is off their stick, but another way to make sure 
the puck is off their stick is if you just level a guy. And Shifley did that. It's unfortunate that Evans got knocked out and, you know, had to be stretchered off. But personally, I just I'm not too invested in hits overall. You know, I, I know a lot of people like to overreact with Tom Wilson hits. And, you know, there's certain uh, reason for that. You know, he's he's a repeat offender. But overall, I'm not too much of a outrage guy who reacts to hits. Evans head was down. So, you know, in this league, this isn't a league where you want to have your head down if you have the puck because any guy's going to go after you and make sure you know to keep your head up yeah. the next time. So other than that, yeah. I don't know if you want to add something, but that's how I feel. I about would just it. say, I would say as it pertains to Tom Wilson, <laughs> it's turning into the point where we're not really discussing hits with Tom Wilson anymore. It's punches in the back of the head. It's body slams with him. It's not really hits anymore. That's, that's what I would say about that. As far as last night's hits with, hit with Shifley, when I first saw it, when I, I wasn't looking up when the play happened live. Um, when I did finally see a replay, the first replay I saw was from a, an like, like a ice level camera off in one of the corners at regular speed and it didn't look too bad. Um, but if you, if you watch it enough, I think his elbow is pretty high or his shoulder was, he came from a really far distance and you look at this play from the other angle from kind of behind Shifley or over his shoulder and he's not even trying to stop this goal. Um, Gallagher was pretty upset. I don't know how long you watched, but they interviewed Gallagher after the game and he was like really beside himself. He was saying that he knows Shifley, Shifley, you know, he knows better than this. He, he was just almost speechless over it. So it was a big hit. It was a little, there was some aspects of it that were controversial and I think given the situation of where the game was, I think it was a little uncalled for. Um, as far as player safety review, we'll see what they come out with. But uh, it, it was a little um, overkill, if you will. And, you know, a guy's about to put in the fifth goal against you and you've been off for nine days after sweeping a team. And he had a, a couple of upper skirmishes during the game. Um, and every time... You know, he's looking up after these skirmishes. He he looks like he's out for blood. So I'm watching him particularly, especially if he comes back, because I'm not usually I, I don't I don't usually react like, oh, you need to, you know, Wilson needs to be suspended harder or more, but actually maybe I am because I thought that five thousand dollar fine was pretty soft on him. It's just like I, I've mentioned this to you is like whenever a controversial hit comes up or something like that, a punch or a body slam, whatever it is, yeah, I always think back to that hit on Luke Shen by Tom Wilson. And man, that was scary. I think I was even watching that live because I remember just seeing that and thinking, like, is this guy ever going to play again? Is he ever going to walk again? And I don't want that to ever happen again. And to yeah. prevent that from happening, you need to send a message when signs are showing themselves. 
And so as far as it goes with Tom Wilson, he has a track record. I think they need to be much more caught, uh, wary of that. Um, Shifley doesn't have a track record, um, but we'll see if this is the beginning of one. You know? Yeah, it'll be interesting to keep up with. Um, Shifley, you know, I think he is a good guy and, and you know, he's not known as a dirty player. It, it was a borderline hit for sure. And, and you bring up, you know, the time of the game and, you know, was it really needed? I could agree with that. You know, I mean, it looked like Evans was going to, you know, clearly end the game there and put the dagger in the backs of, of the Jets. Um, but I, it may have also just been frustration on, on Shifley. I, I understand that the, you know, it's game one, you want to win at home and, you know, you're probably a little disappointed in your play. So you, you may have just acted out a little bit and, Put a question. It was pitch. showing in, in throughout the game, though, because he was like he like cross check, not cross. It might not have been a cross check, but he hit a guy across the head that was laying down on the ice and was like leaning into it earlier in the game. So there was like signs of his aggression forming. He was clearly frustrated uh, in that game. Yeah, but, and I think that that's where it came out was that hit. Right. I mean, hopefully, hopefully Evans is okay. I don't. I haven't really heard much on him, but neither have I. I, I hope he's okay. His he seemed like his his arms were moving. He was conscious and awake. I think. Right. Uh, yeah. He was exiting, so that's at least a good sign. Yeah, something to keep your eye on. Um, we'll go into the Abs and Jets, or I'm sorry, the Abs and the Knights game game and series in round two. Um, I game one just. Big question mark. I, I know that you want to give Flurry rest, um, and because he just played seven straight games, so I, I'm not necessarily questioning the Leonard start. But maybe do you think the the result would have changed if they played Flurry? I personally don't think it would have. I think no matter who was in net, they would have gotten beat down as hard as they did in Game One. And Game Two, I thought that Flurry had a good response. Even though they lost and they're down 2-0 in this series, you know, I don't think it was 2-2. I don't think it was a bad decision by Peter DeBoer. Obviously, you want to, you know, rest flurry. But game three, they're going to have to have a hell of a performance because if they don't win both these games at home, it's not looking good for the Vegas Golden Knights who have been poised to be Stanley Cup contenders and even winners for the last two or three seasons now. And... It went to overtime last night, and I watched only the first period because it started to get late, and I was getting tired, so I didn't really watch too much game two either. But it just seems like still, uh, I'm starting to feel that the Avalanche are likely going to be the best odds to win the Cup. I think that they're the best-looking team right now in the playoffs. Um, McKinnon, Benson, Landis, Cog, my God, those guys are buzzing. And it's like they... They aren't showing any signs of stopping. And yeah, and not only that, but they're also getting it from their goaltender too. Grubauer is is something else. I think he'll win the Vesna this year. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, he's been great in the playoffs for them, and this is you know coming from a guy who won the Cup with the uh, Washington Capitals in 2018. Even though he was yep. you know, the backup for for Holtby, he got experience. You know, he played the first two games in that Columbus series and Columbus went up to to nothing. And then I think that set the fire under for Holtby to 
get going, and he did, and they went on to win. Um, but I think Grubauer has really made strides to be a starter. I mean, he's he's been their starter right. since he got on that team, and it's good to see because, you know, like I said, whenever you see a backup goaltender, you, you often think, like, they're not the best on the on the team. Um, they're only there to make sure that the, the starter gets rest. Like, and uh, coverage. And... Yeah, like Brassois for the Jets. I think his name is Laurent Brassois. Like him for Connor Hallibuck. You know, that guy's just there to basically make sure Connor Hallibuck has rest. Um, but it, it's good to see that he's got a strong and steady start for the Avalanche. And they're cruising to they're cruising to the third round, I think. You know, it's we'll see what happens in game three. I don't know. I don't know, man, because I I watched all um, I think I watched all of regulation for game two. And I actually, I didn't watch game one, and I didn't know that Leonard was the starter that game. Um, Flurry's dialed in. He, uh, they're in Colorado, and it's close one. It's a 3-2 overtime loss. So I think Vegas is right there. They looked good last night. I actually shut the TV off thinking that they might end up with the win. Um, so I don't think this series is over yet. Uh, I want to see Vegas either lose at home um yeah i want to see vegas lose at home first and then then i might start thinking that way but i think even if they lose at home i think this is a team that that could find it in them to to dig them out of this hole um if there's any team to face this adversity and overcome it i think the team is vegas so keep watching this series i think it could turn out to be pretty exciting i i I almost want to say i know it will because i don't think flurry is also going to let another chance like this just kind of crumble right in front of his eyes i think he'll turn it on even more um when they get back into vegas yeah i mean i don't i kind of feel like the knights are a little bit like the leafs in the sense that they're getting great goaltending it's just Scoring has been an issue for them lately. And they recently got patch ready, I think, in game seven of the Minnesota series. Um, and, you know, it, it just continues to be like, where, where's Marsha So? Where's, you know, Carlson, um, Stone, too? I mean, they've, they've performed, don't get me wrong, but I just feel like if you're going to beat this Colorado team, those guys have to be matching the Lannis, Cogrant, and McKinnon line. You know, they're very high. Yeah. And, that's, you know, down to nothing. Now, they got to be better than those guys. You know what I mean? They got to be, if McKinnon gets one goal, you got to make sure that Stone gets two, or you got to make sure that Stone and Marcia So get one each to, to make sure you're counter uh, balancing McKinnon and, and, and Landis Cog. It's, it's, I mean, I shouldn't say that Colorado's going to cruise through this series. Because, you know, the Knights can always come back. You know, I, I phrased it poorly. But, you know, if if those guys don't start waking up, then I guess I could say, you know, Colorado could could cruise through this series. If Stone, Marsha, so Patch, Ready, if they continue to struggle, it doesn't matter how well Fleury's going to play. Just like it didn't matter how well Jack Campbell played because Marner, Matthews, Simmons, Thornton, all those guys weren't scoring. Right, I feel like that could be the that could be the case here for the for the Knights, but that's a good point. It, it's still early, you know. Like you said, they haven't lost at home yet, so there shouldn't be too much panic. That, but that game one was very volatile, and I think that might inflate 
estimations on this series is all. I think game two, especially because you didn't watch it, I think if you watched all of game two, you'd, you'd probably, um, you probably would have agreed with me, or at least not phrased it that way, I imagine. Because they did look a lot better last night. Yeah. Um, they had an answer every time Colorado went up, so except for overtime, obviously. Right. And again, who's for the, the game winner? It was Ranton. On the power yep. play, now, I guess that there was a little controversy with that penalty. Um, was there? A lot of um, comments saying that it was a weak call and all that. Uh, I didn't and see... in overtime? Yeah, in overtime. The, yeah, that's... They scored on a power play. Yeah. I, I'll have to look at the play, but... But, hey, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to kill your penalties, too. Whether it's yeah, in the first period or in the fifth overtime, you got to kill those penalties in the postseason. Exactly. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up all I have to say. But, I mean, a lot of these series are still early, so yep. we'll just have to keep, you know, watching the series. But uh, we'll go into the next one. I'll, I'll start with uh, the Bruins and Islanders. Um, this has been a, a great series so far. I've loved watching these games. I didn't get to watch game one as much um, as game two. I pretty much watched game two from start to finish. And I think two weeks ago, you may have said that Boston reminded everyone that they're, I think you said, like, clutch. The city of clutch. Yeah, the city of clutch. That's what it was. And they showed that in game two. I know that they ended up losing that game, but they were down three to one to a Barry Trotz team who is known to be stingy defensively when they have a lead, whether it's one or two goals. And they came back and they didn't crawl back. They were freaking, you know, just storming. They were storming. Yeah, they, they were. They storming. put it on, dude. They turn that clutch mode on, and Marshawn gets in there. He'll get a goal. Bergeron, Pasta, whoever it is. It, it's what the way you mentioned it is exactly how it happened when I came up with that phrase. It's always late in the third. It's always right when they need one or two, and it's always exactly how many they need. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and I really wish Carolina had some of that because we need that right now. And they yeah. have it. Mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> they have it every was... single year, it feels like. Yeah. I even think that uh, going into the third period of that game, the Bruins were on the penalty kill. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know how you get this, this rally going? Is you kill a penalty, especially in the third, no matter how early it is. Because if, if the Islanders score on that power play down three goals – Sure, you got a lot of time, but it's a hell of a feat to do, and it's a hell of an ask for your players to do. But, you know, Boston showed last night, didn't matter if they scored or not, they just knew to do the simple things, kill the penalties, gain momentum, use that momentum to, to shift uh, the series or to the game in their favor, and they did that. Um, I honestly think this, you know, I don't think this is a, a, I don't know if this will be up for debate, but I think that if this Bruins team played the Blues in 2019, I honestly think that they would have won that, that series and they would have won the Cup. Craig Smith, uh, Taylor Hall, all their additions that they made have been mm. phenomenal. This is a team who lost Krug. This is a team who lost Chara. And I know <laughs> where we both stand with Chara, but he was the captain of this team. And, you know, they lost a, a, a solid core guy. 
in the sense that you know he's a, he was leadership for them, but they still got it in, in Bergeron. You know, he's the captain now, and yeah, he's there been, was no there was no better person on that team to be named captain after Charles. Right. And yeah, I, I think that they really rallied in game two, and they showed although they lost, like we said, it it it's not over for Boston, and this could be a, a series that goes far. I mean, there's there's never so good. I I can't say it's anything. never over. Yeah, it's never over for Boston until that final goal horn sounds. It really is, especially in the playoffs. Um, yeah, this series is split one one, but I I I fully believe uh, Boston's going to come out splitting the New York games. At least, I, I, you know. Yeah, I think I think so too. I really do. Um. These are these are both crowds that are very loud and very into their into the games. And you know, as much as I as much as I wanted to see the Islanders win game two, just so we didn't see a series go, you know, one way really quickly. Uh I also almost wanted to see the Bruins win that game too, just to just to listen to that crowd, because we missed it last year. And you know, we I think we took for granted the fans. Um before COVID happened, where there was no fans in the playoffs, we really took that for granted. And now having fans back, it's like I'll never, you know, think to myself, I'll never take it for granted. I I couldn't tell you how much I miss the the loud crowd, and it's it's always awesome to hear Boston go crazy. Yeah. Um, I I've been in in Boston when they have a playoff series. I watched them walk. Uh, I watched them play the Leafs. I forget what game it was. I think it was 2019 game two, but I could be wrong. Um, regardless, any time that crowd, any time the Bruins scored, you couldn't even hear the guy next to you. I was with my friend Ryan, his girlfriend. I couldn't even, I couldn't even hear anybody. So I just took out my phone and just recorded. And it was, it was electric is what it was. You, you couldn't even hear yourself and you couldn't hear others. And, and, New York is just like that too. It's going to be a tough crowd to play in, and which is why I want this series to go seven games because I want to keep hearing the crowd. I want to keep seeing these teams play. They're very evenly matched, um, and like you said, the Boston Bruins are a very clutch team in the playoffs, and they showed it last night. I mean, they got the experience too, and Bargeron, Marchand, Pasternak, all those guys know what what it takes to win, and now they have help from you know Craig Smith and, and Taylor Hall. You know, they're no longer a I mean, maybe they're still a top-heavy team, but at least they're getting more depth scoring. I think that that was a, a critical, um, a critical point of their team in the past. Is just they didn't have too many depth forwards outside of the big three, but now they got it, and look at how they're doing. Yeah, it's that, and here's the other thing, and um, it's actually funny. I was I was about to text Dave this the other night. Um, during game two, I was about to say that Rask looked good. He looked solid. And as, as I finished the first sentence, uh, New York scored their first goal. And so I actually jokingly apologized to Dave before even sending the text because I had that typed up, you know, a superstitious kind of thing. And at the end of the game, I even said, I'll take 30% responsibility for that loss because I got them going. <laughs> um, but no, Rask. Rask has been looking really good. Uh, he looks like a guy who can go. He proved it. He did go all the way to the end. He went to game seven two years ago. Um, 
And I don't think there was a whole lot of blame to give Rask in that series. I know that Boston did give him a lot, but I, I personally wouldn't give him as much as Boston did. Uh, and also, right now, he looks really solid. He he looks like he's in the zone or in the um, – he looks like his head is in the game, you know? I, I know that's an issue that – or that's one of the big things that always comes up when you talk to Boston fans is – where is his head at? Where is his head at? And uh, this playoff run, it looks like it, it is where it needs to be. So I've been watching him, and yeah, the, the guys in front of him are a lot of fun to watch. Taylor, the addition of Taylor Hall is not only nice to see that depth addition to the Boston Bruins, but it's really nice to see that Taylor Hall is getting sort of a second chance, and he, and he is, it appears that he's capitalizing on it. So. They're a really fun team to watch. Even the Islanders, I don't want to discredit them. Uh, I really like the Islanders as a second team to watch. Um, I know that the Canes swept them out of the playoffs a couple of years ago, and that was unfortunate for them. But I'd like to see them go far one of these years. So, yeah, whoever ends up winning this series is going to have my you know, bit of confidence if, if Carolina gets knocked out because I think they'll be facing them if we don't. But um, even if we do end up facing either of those teams and the other one moves on, it's both of those franchises or organizations have good um, systems, and, and it'd be nice to see either of them have a chance at the Cup. I agree. I wanted to see the Islanders go deep last year, but they ended up losing to Tampa Bay, which was unfortunate. Me too. They, they would have been a nice new face to see in the uh in the stanley cup but uh yeah i i would agree i think that no matter who comes out of this they're they're going to be a very tough team to face and they're going to be a very you know empowered team to play against especially boston if they were to move on the islanders i think just need to get barzell going um i think that they're kind of missing anders lee right now he's still out i think if he were in this lineup oh my goodness these games would be I mean, they're already must-watch now, but they'd be like prime-time must-watch games if, if Anders Lee was in this uh, series. But uh, regardless, I'm actually going to a friend's house tonight to watch Game 3, and I'm, I'm very excited because he's a Bruins fan. And, you know, he, he knows the Bruins a hell of a lot more than me. He follows them, you know, even thoroughly than I do. So I always just kind of sit back and listen to him because he's got really good insight on this team and i'll see what he says tonight and throughout the game but uh you hinted at the next series we'll go into it's uh carolina versus tampa bay and uh you know i i kind of wanted to hold this for the podcast and i'm i meant to tell you i think this week but um carolina has been a, a disappointing team uh especially in the second round against Tampa, I thought that they would put up more of a fight. And by the by the way, it's not to say that they're terrible. It's just they're going against a very hard team in the Tampa Bay Lightning and a very hard goaltender in Vasilevsky. Uh, and I think that they need a and going into game three tonight, they really need to look at footage of the uh, Florida Panthers where they were getting in Vasilevsky's face. I know they ended up losing that series, but they definitely made Vasilevsky uncomfortable and and uh, I think that you got to find something in, in tonight's game. Because if you lose in Tampa Bay, and I, I just don't know if, 
if this series goes on much longer if you guys lose tonight um and I think that maybe tonight you do start Morazic. I know that I've been against it, um, but thinking about it, it's to me it wouldn't be a move to necessarily punish or say Nedeljkovic isn't there, but it's just to see if there's an extra spark in this team uh, to get going because you definitely have a team that can beat Tampa for sure. Uh, Stahl's a performer. I think Ajo's a performer. Svechnikov got a goal last night, which was good, or not last night, but in uh in game two and it was good to see because he's been struggling uh but you know this team has been disappointing going in being in this series because I, I thought that they would put up a, a better fight um but you know we'll see i mean it, it's not over till it's over i think if they win tonight they're going to get a lot of boosts especially winning in tampa bay so you know if if this team can get going you better watch out for them yeah so Agreed. You know, looking at the record, looking at where the series is, Tampa Bay leads 2-0. Yeah, it's pretty disappointing if you're Carolina. Um, but I watched both games, and, you know, as much as, as the issue is that some of the top guys aren't scoring right now, Vasilevsky is just playing on an absolute another level. Um, the Canes are getting – they're doing what they do best, and they're getting pucks on net. And to your point, maybe they got to get some more bodies in front of the net. Um, but they're literally throwing everything at this guy, and he's stopping all of it. And Nedeljkovic is a young guy. He's a rookie. He had that, to be blunt, he had that atrocious goal in game one. And it was the difference maker. It, he was doing this in the Predators series. It's just that you didn't notice it as much because it was one fluky goal in a three to four game or a eight goal game and so it doesn't make a whole lot of a difference but both of these games were two to zero or two to one um a total of six goals have been scored in the first two games and when they're that close you can't get away with those anymore um so yeah nothing against Nadelkovich. he just has had a funk in these last two games and Mrazek is a guy who could be that personality jolt that the team needs. You go back to 2009 when he was the goalie for the game that they clinched the playoff berth in. And he was the star of the game because he stood on his head that game and gave them the opportunity to win. And, it, and when he sat down, you know, he did the infamous, we're in, we're in, yes. And that, you know, that clip just sends an emotional charge through your spine as a fan. And so I can't imagine what it, that personality that he has does for the guys in the locker room. Um, he's the more veteran guy. He's, he's been your starter the last two seasons. He's been your number one um, goalie for the playoff runs. It's just he had injury issues this year, and Nadelkovich covered him. Um, but, yeah, I think it's time to give a new look in that Get Mrazek out there because this is a pivotal point in the series. You really need to win this game three. And I don't know. What I'm hoping for is I hope this turns out to be one of those series where the, the visiting team wins every game besides game seven. Um, as a Carolina fan, that seems obvious. But I think that's the way that this series goes. I think the visitor might end up winning all these games. Um, if not, I, I hate to say it, but I think Carolina might get swept. This is where 
they this is where they struggle in the playoffs when they start getting leaned on by another team that's better in the playoffs that's more seasoned in the playoffs Bruins the last two seasons now Tampa right now um they start to crumble and the first two games they look really good still even though we lost two to one in both those games um, I mean, the first game ended in a massive flurry of shots that Vasilevsky was all over the place making saves on. And so at any moment in that sequence, you know, it could have been headed to overtime. So they're right there, dude. They are hanging tight with this team. They're basically neck and neck. I hope they remember that because when they face adversity like this, there's going to be a bubble. There's going to be a lip, and that's going to be the determinant. You'll see it if you watch the game uh, tonight. Uh, if they're going to end up pushing as hard as they possibly can, and if that push doesn't amount to anything in about five to ten minutes on the game clock, you'll see them pull back and they'll revert to this image or this personality that they just aren't. And I hope it doesn't fall into that because. It, it last season was extremely disappointing, and the season before that was a disappointment as well. You get swept in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals for the second time in franchise history. Not the best look. Um, so I'm looking for them to step up tonight. Uh, my personal opinion is play Mrazek, but I fully trust Rod Brendamore in whatever he decides to do. And if Nadelkovic ends up in net tonight, I expect him to be crisp i think he's gonna give vasilevsky a run for his money tonight if he gets the start um if he doesn't i think marazic is gonna have a fun time in net and when he has fun in net it's gonna be a good game yeah um you know if Nadelkovic gets the start tonight i think that might be a confidence boost for him to to make sure that those fluky goals those you know must stop goals don't go in because it's not exactly like, that's not exactly like, right and that, so maybe it's better if they play Nadelkovic. um who knows i, I mean, don't I, know i don't even think that this is really on the goaltender i mean i know both those goals both in game one and game two um i know that those were tough goals to give up but you know similar to jack campbell i mean what did he give up three goals in three games i mean he's he's given up a lot of goals three goals in each game but still, I mean, he needs goal support. You guys can't just, you can't expect to score one goal against Tampa and win. You know, you need, it, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You need to be able to get goaltending, but you also need to be able to, to get scoring done as well. I and mean, it's obvious. Yeah. And the, um, and the biggest thing is they need to score first. Because exactly. you, can, you can win a game by scoring just one goal. It's just yeah. that it can't be the second goal that's scored. Exactly. You know? I think at game one, when Tampa scored, they said this is the um, sixth uh, time out of seven games you guys seven. had the first goal. Right, and now it's seven it's of eight, seven. I think. Yeah, now it's seven of eight. And it, it's the same thing with Florida. Florida struggled against Tampa Bay because they couldn't get a good start. And, you know, you guys are falling right in line with that. If you aren't going to get a good start with Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay is going to p- make you pay for it. And That's I mean, true, but... This is also a team that that excels in the third period, too. So they need to, as much as they need to get a good start, they also need to start playing the third period that they're tip, that is typical of them. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's when, I mean, Sveshnikov, 
earlier in the season they threw up a pie chart and like Svechnikov has probably like I think 40% of his goals or something are scored in the third period. It's a pretty high percentage for him. And even the team overall has a pretty high third period percentage. Um, Usually how it goes is our first period is whatever it is. The second period is a balancing period where either no one really scores or the two teams kind of end up balancing off. And then the third period is usually when we close our games. Um, and that's why during the regular season, we were able to to capitalize so much against the Lightning, because during the regular season, Vasilevsky couldn't play that final 20 minutes uh, to 100% of his capabilities. But we're not seeing that yet in this series. So this one's going back to Tampa tonight. I'm really nervous, as any fan would be, but... I'm trying to be calm, cool, and collected. I have full faith in the guys and the coach, um, and I expect to see some fire tonight. I, I if if you don't see it, I might not even watch Game Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't blame you. I'll just add one quick thing: just be physical with this Tampa Bay Lightning team too. You know, just more physicality and more uh, more presence in front of the net, net front presence see, against Vasilevsky. See, you mentioned. I say it you because... mentioned that, dude, but their physicality is there. I mean, the, the net front well, no, presence, I, know. I completely agree. They definitely need that. But the physicality factor, I feel like it's there. But I'll let but, you explain. Yeah, so basically what I was just going to say is you have Stamkos and you have Kucherov, two guys who have been injury-prone for the last two seasons. Stamkos has had a history throughout his whole career of being injury-prone. Right. There's many discussions that if he wasn't injured, he could be up in the level of, of Crosby and, and McDavid. Um, but, you know, right now he, he's an injury-prone guy. And last year he only played, I think, was it the one game in the Stanley Cup playoffs as a whole? Just be more physical with that guy. I'm not saying you got to hurt him, make sure he's out of, the, out of the series, but just be physical with him and be physical with Kucherov. Kucherov is coming back from, I think, a, soldier, uh, a shoulder injury, you know? These guys aren't necessarily 100%, so just be more physical with them, you know? It's... If you're going to be more physical with them, you could possibly, you know, wear them out. And suddenly they're not playing at 100%. They're playing at 50% and they're getting less time on the ice, you know. So if you're just more physical with them, that front presence, I think this guy, I think that this series could turn around. But I'll end it at that just so. Good point. Yeah. But anyway, uh, thank you for listening to episode four. This was week two of the round two matchups uh we appreciate you guys listening to us uh it's really fun to do these and you know we hope to keep hearing from all you uh i don't know if anything else that in definitely and if there are any artists out there we're looking for a thumbnail picture yeah. uh so if you have any ideas and you know us or i don't know is there like a email or something and or comments maybe in chat yeah i can uh, put that i can put that yeah, feel free. We'll, we'll take ideas. All right, everyone enjoy the games tonight and take care.